Welcome to the weekend wrap up. This is Zoe, the intern here at KLRC. Maybe you're like me and you don't catch everything on the air, but that doesn't mean you have to miss out. I'm sharing highlights from Mark and Christie's morning show, Middays with Isaac and Robert, and The Drive Home with Anson and Kara. Let's see what they've been up to this week. As you can probably tell by the sound of my voice, I am still recovering from a cold. Just that time of year, all of the germs and bugs floating around. Maybe you yourself have been in recovery mode, wishing you a very quick recovery indeed. But Monday was Martin Luther King Day, as we all know. So here's Mark and Chaplain Justin discussing something people often forget about Dr. King. Morning. It's MLK Day today. Chaplain Justin was kind enough to get up early and come hang out around the breakfast table, which wasn't a huge arm twisting, I know, because MLK is somebody you're so passionate yeah. about. Learned a lot from, uh, appreciated Dr. King. Yeah. So we've been talking a little bit about this morning of even some of the things that you may not see or hear today, mm-hmm. yep. understandably, rightly so. You'll hear the clips from the I Have a Dream speech. Yes, yeah, very good. See some of those really well-known quotes that mm-hmm. will pop up all over, but there's so much more to it. In fact, even just thinking about most of us know him as a civil rights leader, yes, yeah. as an activist towards mm-hmm. justice, um, but at his heart, at his core, he really was a pastor, a shepherd. Yes, he, he cared ultimately about the souls of people, and that was really what he was after in the way that he would lead. Um, one of the things he said to kind of his coworkers in the movement, uh, later on, there's a lot of chatter agenda, you know, like just a meeting, you know, he listened, um, and then calmly says this, a big danger for us is the temptation to follow the people we are opposing. They call us names. So we call them names. I remind you that in many people, in many people that oppose us, There are other things going on in their lives, kindness to neighbors, being helpful and good-spirited at work. We must try not to end up with stereotypes of those we oppose, even as they slip all of us into their stereotypes. Hmm. There is a danger that us or them mentality takes hold, and we do actually begin to run the risk of joining the ranks with the very people we are opposing. I worry about that a lot these days. And that effectively ended the meeting. <laughs> it's like a, it was just a mic drop. <laughs> and so he was, he was looking out for hate wherever it was, wherever it would pop up. And he wanted to voice love and caution mm-hmm. away from hate and toward love wherever he would find it. Yeah. And we were talking earlier about how that just his, those principles that he lays out, mm-hmm. right? like basically look in the mirror first, check Check our hearts yes. first before we start worrying so much about the enemy. Yes, absolutely. And uh, an- another thing is how Christ-centered he was. If you listen to him, uh, read sermons and different things, he comes back to the centrality of Christ in so many ways. Here, here's another um, way that he just shepherds the souls of people. Uh, I have begun to realize how hard it is for a lot of people to think of living without someone to look down upon. Mm. really look down upon someday all of us will see that when we start going after a race or a religion a type or region a section of the lord's humanity we're cutting into his heart and we're bleeding badly ourselves wow very profound really and he's he's going after the heart and soul of this side and that side 
really he was against hate mm-hmm. and for love. Yeah. And I think that's wonderful. And, you know, in some ways, um, we've made some progress along the mm-hmm. way. We've got a lot of work to do in our own hearts. As a wherever culture. the division is, wherever yeah. the, 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 the enemy lines are drawn, uh, he has something for, for us to really take hold of. What a powerful reminder for us today and a role model in Martin Luther King. He stands out to us because of that bold love, truly modeling Jesus with that selfless love he had for his enemies. I don't know. It was just really inspiring for me and really getting me to think about myself and the ways that I also need to look in the mirror. Up next is a positive difference story. Elaine Cooper. She just celebrated her 100th birthday. Mm-hmm. Happy Triple birthday, Elaine. digits, Triple man. digits, which is amazing. Um, but what is even more amazing, I think, is I want to talk about Elaine because she has over six decades of volunteer hours. Okay, 61 years of service, over 18,000 hours. That's incredible. I know. Volunteering at this Texas Children's Hospital. And we're talking about a level of dedication like she even led... It, it even led her to take Spanish lessons so that she could better guide Hispanic and Latino families around the hospital. She said she just loves being with people. Um, she's done just about everything there, serving at the snack bar, filling a 45 years stint at the information desk, delivering mail, leading tours at the hospital. But this is what I think is... But she just named the hospital after her. Well, I, I'm going to tell you something. They kind of did. Not, not fully, but... But one of the cool things about this, this is just a, a small glimpse into how she impacted this this hospital. Uh, there's a boy named David at the hospital known as the bubble boy, basically because he had to live his entire life encased in a plastic bubble due to an immune so deficiency. So he doesn't get sick, doesn't get injured. Right. Yeah. Severe immune system disease he, he was dealing with. She would talk to him all the time, and she would do these hospital tours, and she would always make her group walk by and wave to David and she would spend hours with this kid and um, she said I was with him from the day he was born to the day he passed away when he was 12 years old they had a private family only funeral for him but Miss Elaine was the only non-family member invited so that just gives you an idea of the impact that she had in 61 years of service you know I think for sure that may be part of the reason she lived to be a hundred because she's just a giver. Yeah, I, I think there's a lesson there. Decided to live outside of herself. Yeah, and uh, Texas Children's Hospital, they nominated her for the Mayor Award. She won it, and then the hospital has a Volunteer Services Suite uh, that they named after her cool. in, in her honor. So I just thought, what a sweet story, and and I definitely think there's something about serving others that does something for our soul, yeah. you know, which, you know, may be the secret to living to be a hundred. And I love that she didn't give up. Like, you know, I mean, certainly after what, 20, 30 years, she could have easily been, oh, I put in my time. Totally. I've done more than the average person, but no, she just kept at it. Yeah, she did. Wow. Over 60 years of service. Truly incredible. I wonder if sometimes we feel like making a positive difference takes a grand gesture or a ton of work or something only gifted people do. We maybe think it's something we just hear about, not something that we can truly do. But I think we can all agree that even a smile, putting in a little effort to brighten someone's day, makes the world of difference. 
And this woman just did that to a dedicated level, doing it for over 60 years. But you can do it too. Even just brightening someone's day does make a positive difference. Up next is Mark and Christy sharing some insight from Holly Gurr. If uh, you have been doing the 12-day power-up challenge with us, uh, we're down to day 11. Yeah. Today. It's gone by quick. And if you're getting the emails or the text messages, you know you got a little message from Holly Girth this morning. Mm-hmm. She's part of the More Than Small Talk podcast crew. She's awesome. But super smart. Yeah. Love her. And uh, Full you know, of wisdom. I always love how God just, he knows like what you need when you need it. I mean, all this was set up like forever ago. And I mean, even just me personally, I woke up this morning and I was like, okay, I can feel like I'm a little anxious. I got to go to this little doctor's appointment today. I don't love doctor's appointments. Kind of starting to feel a little like, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. all right. I don't know. And, um, and she has some thoughts about anxiety today. Oh, they're so good. I struggle with anxiety too. And one day I looked up all the scriptures where God says, do not fear. And what I discovered is he most often says that to someone who's already afraid. So that means for our hearts, it's a reassurance, not a rebuke. And when he says, don't be anxious, he's inviting us just not to live in a state of fear, which is not what any of us want anyway. He knows that we are created with fight or flight systems and that sometimes as humans, we're going to experience anxiety. So if you're feeling anxious right now, what you can know is you're not in trouble with God for that. And even more, he's inviting you to bring those anxious thoughts and feelings to him. So you can pause and take a deep breath, say a prayer, then maybe reach out to a friend for support. You might need a nap or a snack. Those work well for me. Or maybe I love that. I like, that's so I like good. what she said about snacks. Yeah, right. I'm Everybody on needs that a little snack girl. once in a while. Mm-hmm. So that's just a little taste of the two-minute video. Uh, and by the way, if you're not getting the emails or texts, don't worry. You can actually watch that one, any of them actually, at klrc.com. I felt compelled to share that little clip because I've struggled a lot with anxiety. And maybe you have too. I think a lot of us struggle. And to be fair, there's a lot to be anxious about. And as I've struggled with my anxiety in the past, people would throw Bible verses at me, telling me, don't be so anxious. God says, don't be anxious. As if I could just immediately stop it. I would feel my anxiety grow, knowing, oh, I have to stop. I have to stop being anxious. God told me to not be anxious. I need to stop. And it became this vicious cycle. Holly's words felt like a light bulb moment for me realizing that God is not condemning me for my anxiety. God just wants to comfort me, and he wants to comfort you too. You don't have to be afraid because he's got you. We can live boldly and fearlessly because of him. Up next is Isaac with a story I would call making a positive difference. Let me tell you about the Jones family this morning. 19-year-old Saren Jones became seriously sick and ended up needing both kidneys um, to be removed and needing a new kidney transplant. She joined a waiting list and, like a lot of people on waiting lists, spent some time praying and on dialysis. Now, her dad, Afrin, decided he would go ahead and join a living donor list to see if he was compatible for his daughter. Now, he wasn't a match, but their lives still changed. After Saren received a donated kidney, they said their lives changed overnight after that surgery. However, he wasn't ready to take himself off the living donor list. He said after Saren got her new kidney, 
She was told that I could get off the living donor list. And that's when I had a very strange experience. He said, it was as if a voice was telling me there's someone else out there who needs your kidney. And I felt compelled to stay on the list. He had the procedure done in December. And he said, it felt like I'd given someone quite a nice Christmas present when I was able to donate my kidney. And it was nice to know that I'm healthy enough to donate a kidney, given that I'm almost 70 years old. So kudos to the Jones family getting a new kidney. And the dad, even after his daughter had received hers, decided, you know what? I still have something to give. I think it's amazing how God made our bodies simultaneously so fragile and also so durable. I think it just goes to show his miracles and the mysterious ways he works in and through us. Here's some more from Isaac. So the Dallas Zoo has great news for everyone. They found the missing clouded snow leopard that had been um, missing on zoo property hours after the animal had been reported gone from her habitat. The Dallas Police Department said that it launched an investigation to determine if the leopard's habitat was intentionally damaged or the animal just seemed to escape on their own. Nova got a little bit of a stroll. She rode around the zoo's property until she was found by the police. Imagine being just calmly told on a weekend afternoon, hey, can you guys actually leave the zoo? One of our animals has gotten loose. I don't know how I would respond to that info. I would probably go to the immediate worst, like, okay, a tiger or a uh, lion are loose because it's never like a meerkat, right? It's got to be something like a snow leopard that gets loose. The meerkat are content to just be in their little enclosure, play with their enrichment toys. We could learn a thing or two from the meerkats. Let's not be <laughs> doing anything crazy. Since I am a cat person, if I knew a wild cat was missing in a zoo, I'd probably be dumb and try to help find the kitty. Here, kitty, 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 you know, do that. <laughs> I'd want to pet it. I mean, snow leopard, that just sounds so soft and cuddly, even though it probably would just tear off my face. I don't know. I just love cats. Here's Anson and Kara from The Drive Home. The last week has been a little bit of a tough one in my household mm. because uh, about a week ago, we lost our 13-year-old doggo. Aww. His name was Cypher, and uh, he was a good little puppy. Yes, he was. And we're sorry to see him go, mm. as uh, anyone who has experienced the loss of a pet knows. Definitely. Losing a pet is pretty hard. Mm. Uh, and I think one thing that we found in our family this week is like, man, it maybe is even a little harder than we thought. Yeah. It's really tough, mm -hmm. uh, especially when you've had 13 years with mm. your good friend, right? Absolutely. And the other thing, of course, that we've been walking through is how to walk through grief with our kids. Oh. We have a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old and a 3-year-old, and they're all experiencing this grief in different ways, yeah. particularly our 10-year-old, because I think she understands kind of what's happened a little bit more, and she grew up with this dog pretty much yes. her entire life. Aww. And as we were talking with her about this, we were trying to kind of explain to her how grief works. Mm. And it's a hard thing to understand, and it's something that sometimes I think uh, we don't understand very well. Yeah, even adults. Right. I once heard an analogy for grief, though, that I have found really helpful as an adult, and I think has been really helpful to my 10-year-old as well. And I've looked, and I don't know who the original source of this analogy is. Yeah. I'm not sure if you've heard this before, Kara, but it's the ball and the box analogy hmm, for grief. I don't grief. think I have. So the idea is basically that grief is like a ball that's inside of a box, and there's a button on the side of the wall of this box. Uh-huh. And the ball is kind of behaving like the old uh, logo on your DVD player. Oh, yeah. When you see it on the screen, it's uh -huh. kind of just bouncing around randomly. Yes. And in the early stages of grief, 
the ball is really big. It almost takes up the entire box. So it's hitting that button, that grief button, almost constantly. Okay. And so maybe there's a lot of tears. Maybe there's even some anger. A lot of intense emotions that you're feeling as that ball hits that button. Yep. And then as you get a little bit further away from that incident, maybe losing a loved one or whatever the thing is that may be causing grief, the ball shrinks somewhat. Hmm. And it shrinks and it shrinks. And so it's still bouncing around in there. Sure. But it's hitting the button less Less often. Interesting. The big thing is when it hits the button, it may be just as strong of a reaction as the very first time Mm. it hit the button. Right? And then maybe even years down the road. Yeah. Maybe that ball now is the size of a little bouncy ball. Yeah. And so it only hits it maybe every year, maybe on you know, the anniversary date of when this happened or when you walk into the store that you adopted the pet at or who knows what, uh, that can still trigger with some really intense feelings. It just gets a lot less frequent. Mm. And so this is kind of what we're dealing with as that ball shrinking a little bit now that we're kind of in week two of this thing. Yeah. But uh, whether you're experiencing grief over the loss of a pet or another loved one or some entirely different reason, I think this analogy can help us to understand what we're feeling Mm -hmm. and why. Grief is a very difficult thing to walk through, and something which has been very helpful for me to remember is Jesus also grieved. He wept when his friend Lazarus died, and you might wonder why would he cry when he knew Lazarus was going to be risen from the dead? But that's a similar position we are in when we lose someone we love. We cognitively know that they're not truly dead. They're in heaven, right? But the pain is still there. And Jesus felt that pain and feels that pain with us. Pain and grief are okay. They're human emotions processing what happened. If you're walking through a season of grief right now, I hope that is a bit encouraging. Here's something on a more uplifting note from Kara. So, Anson, we just finished Christmas. Are you ready for Easter? Oh, wow. I know. Wow, that's a quick turnaround. I know. It was really a little bit of whiplash for me as well. I'm not quite ready for it, but apparently Peeps is totally ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. uh They're celebrating their 70th anniversary this year, and they've already released news about their latest flavors. Okay. Yes, it's always exciting to know what they're coming out with next because, you know, they don't really taste that good. (laughs) (laughs) So they keep trying, though. They're like, maybe we keep, like, throwing in these other flavors. Sorry. Okay, so. Throw it at the wall and see if the peep sticks. (laughs) Yes. So three new flavors. Uh, We've got Mike and Ike, Dr. Pepper, and Kettle Corn. Hmm. Any of those sound appealing to you? My wife's a big fan of Dr. Pepper. Yeah. I don't know if she would be a fan of a Dr. Pepper peep. I know. That's what I'm saying. I mean. That that's my question, Kara. Is like if it's something that like you're a big fan of, yeah, and they make your flavor, right? Is and you're it, still not excited about it? That's a bad sign. It's probably not a good sign. <laughs> Nothing says resurrection and new life quite like Peeps. Just kidding, of course. That sounds like an early grave. Does anyone actually like Peeps? Thank you so much for listening to this week's wrap-up. Join me next week as we catch up on things you might have missed during the week. Until then, have a great weekend.